With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. me out to the ball game yeah one of the most famous pieces of uh, sporting music that there ever has been and the reason we play it well it's happy opening day to baseball fans around uh, New Zealand in particular and uh, around the world because it is starting today uh, the MLB is back on for the 223-24 season uh, should be absolutely uh, amazing it is um 904 here on SENZ and it's uh, Morena to uh, all of you listening around the country uh, and uh, we thank our partners Brandt, uh, your local John Deere equipment supplier uh, for their partnership in the show through till 12 o'clock uh, we are going to talk to the little general Stacey Jones, uh, one New Zealand Warriors assistant coach uh, on the Spit Clash coming up at the weekend uh, heading across to Shark Park on Sunday to try and take on uh, a side that uh, turned their form around big time last weekend. We'll talk about that with Stacey. Uh, we're going to open up the lines just after uh, 9.30 this morning. I'd love to take your calls on that uh, subject, on the Warriors, on uh, how you're perceiving uh, Super Rugby thus far. And uh, I'm going to do a sermon shortly. You might like to uh, give that some thought and just think if that's a possibility. Uh, I'd love to hear your comments on that. Uh, Ara joins us after 10 o'clock uh, because uh, it's uh, Formula One time, Australian Grand Prix. Uh, and that, of course, is uh, at Albert Park in Melbourne over the weekend. Panel with Jared Crone and Graham Beasley. Uh, we'll be talking about Super Rugby, the Black Caps, uh, also uh, the NRL, of course, and the Warriors. Uh, we shall have um, a a chat with Louis Herman, Watt, and Pip Morris uh, leading into the eleven o'clock news. That's uh, racing and betting over the weekend. Simon Hampton, uh, third and five podcast host uh, on the NBA playoffs. Uh, as, as I said before, it's uh, April and ninth is the end of the regular season, and then it all steps up a notch. Uh, what's on uh, SENZ this weekend? Oh, I'll have a segment there for you. Uh, we'll uh, have a player, a stump smithy around about 11.30. And, of course, we'll go to uh, Michael Guerin uh, just uh, after uh, 11.30 to t- tell us a wee bit about what he's up to in terms of racing on SENZ over the weekend with a particular focus, too, on the harness racing. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, I may well have skipped your attention during the week, but there was a really interesting article written by Harry Sutton a journalism student, I might add, from Christchurch. Harry, I guess, like all of us, was pondering how to promote the level of interest in Super Rugby. Give it some spark, a point of difference. So he's proposed an April draft, akin to the type we see in American sports. I like it. The thought of excellent players who aren't getting game time traded to other franchises who need them and will give them exactly that. 
as, as appealing. See, for me, it's about developing those players at the same time maintaining as high a standard as possible across all the franchises to promote more even encounters weekly. We're not talking massive numbers here, maybe two or three at most per franchise, maybe less. Some players, frankly, you might not even realise that are even there. So where's the harm, I say? It happens often in the lead up to the next season anyway, but that for a young bloke or even an old bloke will seem ages away and they are just reduced to holding tackle bags and absorbing contact relentlessly at training for no reward. It works overseas, it's interesting at trade time, if you're not getting game time, you'll have very little allegiance to the team you're at anyway. In fact, you're probably looking over the fence. All uh, Harry was suggesting was providing the chance to make that leap once during the competition. It's also about strategy, maybe a strategy that's a bit tough for some to contemplate. If it were me, I'd get pretty peeved with being a backroom boy, even at the Crusaders, if I couldn't see playing time ahead and there were vacancies elsewhere letting players I know have similar abilities to me leapfrogging me for higher honours simply out of opportunity. It's like the old shampoo, it won't happen overnight. In fact, it won't happen at all because the Players Association don't want it. Too tough on the players, they say, too tough on their families to relocate. So Harry, nice concept, I say. Keep pondering, keep them coming. You could end up being the next Mark Reason. Who knows? Radio Sunday 6pm will be the appointment viewing and listening for rugby league fans up and down the country as the one New Zealand Warriors head to Cronulla to take on the Sharks. It's said to be their toughest challenge so far this season. Question marks around uh, Captain Tohu Harris, while young uh, Ronald Volkman comes into the halves for the injured Timare Martin. And uh, speaking of halfbacks, it's my pleasure to welcome one of the greats onto the show, uh, Warriors assistant coach uh, Stacey Jones. Stacey, thanks for your time, mate. No worries. Good morning. You've been around this uh, franchise uh, forever. Uh, now we're uh, looking at a 3-1 start. What's uh, your feeling uh, as we, we ponder this match coming up this Sunday? What's your feeling about the start to the season? Yeah, it's been been pretty positive, Smithy. Um, uh, got a, uh, off to a good start against Newcastle, getting the points there, and a tough one against the Roosters. And then uh, we travelled up to Townsville and, and you know got a job done there in, in tough conditions. And then... I thought it was probably our most physical game on the weekend against the Bulldogs, against a team that's obviously recruited well in the uh, in the off season, and certainly brought a, a tough game. And we had an arm wrestle against them. So yeah, the boys have been through a uh, a tough uh, first month of footy, but you know we're we're really happy with um, obviously the start that we've had. But obviously know that there's there's plenty of improvement in in the group. And that is the the interesting phrase people are talking about, and I've never heard it so much in rugby league before. Arm wrestle. You're winning the arm wrestles this time round at the moment. Yeah, the arm wrestle part of the game is just you know when it's backwards and forwards. You know, like you you get to your kick, the other team get to their kick, and it's just whoever can sustain that that pressure the the longest. You know, staying in the balance of the game, and, and that's when you talk about arm wrestle. You know, like there's not a lot of errors, not a lot of penalties, and. There's a lot of ball in play in the game, and um, I felt that uh, yeah we got off to a not a good start against the Bulldogs, but we certainly finished very strong, which you know was a positive. In fact, uh, Stacey, it's, I think it's fair to say you've conceded the opening try in all four games. I think an average of about eight points in the first ten minutes you've conceded. So playing catch ups uh, is uh, something you don't really want to have to do all the time. 
No, not at all. Um, we'd rather be scoring first. But uh, look, one good thing about the team is, is it's showing some real good resilience when when they're under a bit of pressure. Uh, probably in the past, it's what this group or you know previous teams were, were guilty of when things weren't going their way. That you know, a few too many players drop their heads and, and you know put too much pressure on themselves. Where I feel that this group, especially defensively, when things aren't going their way, that they seem to have a, a real good steal in them. So, what's been the difference? Is it has it been a uh, you know to this attitude of not dropping the heads? Because uh, yourself uh, last year, there was times when you you scratched your head and you you know you openly said, "Look, I'm not sure how many of those guys want to be out there." What has been the you know the core reason? Is it been a personnel thing, an attitude thing? I mean, where's it come from? Uh, combination, Smithy. You know, like uh, I can sort of go back to just having a settled place, uh, a routine that that we're familiar with being back here at Mount Smart um, personnel um, recruited some really good players, uh, good people um, players with experience and, and and also the coach coming on board the new coach, what he's bought um, he's obviously, he spent time here as an assistant coach so he knew the landscape of, of the Warriors and, and has come from a, a successful club and he, he's not bringing everything that, that he you know got from Penrith so he certainly knew things there but He's definitely bought a um, you know a positive mindset and um, and what he's doing and also the you know the other coaches and Justin Morgan and Richard Agar uh, what they mm. they bought too but um, yeah it's a combination of of everything there that sort of um, you know making things pretty settled at the moment. Not just uh, the top side, the reserve grade team going pretty well. So uh, the, that feeling is quite um, throughout the club. Yes, certainly, Smithy, and, and that's something that we haven't had for quite some time. We haven't had a, a an under-18 or under-19 team for the last few years. We haven't had a reserve-grade team. So, again, that's another positive thing that, you know, we've got a, a, a reserve-grade that, um, you know, when players uh, need to be caught upon, um, that they're ready and, and playing under the same systems that, that our NRL team's doing. Obviously, um, discipline on the park has been pretty good in terms of when you've got possession because uh, you're currently leading the NRL in set completions at 83%. Yeah, that is a positive. Um, you know, the, the other thing, you know, we, we're getting our, our fair share of the footy too, so which also comes back to, to your discipline. I don't know if we're the, um, the cleanest team at the moment. You know, our penalty rate is, is not great uh, for us, so probably an area we need to get better at, but um, Certainly, um, you know, if your completion rates are high and you're playing a good brand of footy, that's good. Well, right, OK, let's uh, look at this uh, game and some of the matchups coming up on uh, Sunday, Stacey, if we could, please, because uh, they have uh, Nico Hines back in the ranks and I think we saw uh, immediately what he meant to the Sharks' performance. So uh, that battle around trying to shut him down is going to be key. Yeah, he certainly had a massive um, effect on the game um, on the weekend playing against the Dragons. I think he had had a hand in nearly everything that they did as far as scoring points. So he's a he's a player that just plays off off instinct, and you know we're going to have to be on our game there. He, he controls their footy team. He's their, their main kicker of the the ball, and he competes for everything. So um, he's he certainly had something to to that team where they. Probably weren't playing their best football, but when he came on, they um, certainly went to another level. So what have you been talking to? I mean, Sean Johnson's been in fine form himself. Um, 
terrific performance last week. But this week, of course, you've got young uh, Ronald Volkman in for Tamari Martin. What have you been talking about in the ha- in the, the matchup between the two lots of halves? Yeah, first and foremost around Sean, I just think he's competing for everything. You know, like what we just spoke about Nico Hines, it's what he does. And, you know, Sean's form has been, been outstanding this year. And I think he's just doing all the little things right. Um, his main job for us is obviously get us around the field and make sure that our kicking game is strong. Um, but he's defending um, like I've never seen Sean do do before. And, you know, he's doing the little things. He's kick pressuring, he's in kick chase, he's, you know, he's making his tackles and that gives him confidence. So, and that's what we need from Ronald this weekend. We need him to, to make sure that he's defensively sound. If he gets that right, then, you know, his game will flow. He's got a uh, big job on his hands. He has to, you know, um, tackle a couple of big blokes on, on his side of the field, especially Britton Nakora, the, the Kiwi back rower. So, He's got a job there, so we just need Ronald to uh, you know, just do his job defensively and, and the attack will come. You brought Kai Carter-France in uh, to talk uh, to the players a little bit about the defensive aspect and body on body. Has that, has that been an influence, you think, on the little guys uh, being a bit more aggressive, a bit more effective defensively this year? Yeah, possibly. You know, Kai does all of our sort of uh, wrestle contact sessions at every club has a, a specialist in that area and Kai comes in, uh, he did a lot of work in the uh, pre-season and he comes in once a week or once a fortnight around the group and does sort of uh, small sessions with smaller groups so he certainly had a had a massive uh, impact on what this group is doing at the moment along with you know the technical stuff that the uh, our defensive coaches look at as well. Nice little match up at fullback as well, Sean uh, Nickel Clocks that is uh, really fitting into the role nicely against uh, one of the up-and-comers uh, for the Sharks and Will Kennedy, who sort of flies under the radar as opposed to being a top-tier fullback, but he's better than that. Yeah, there's certainly some good fullbacks running around in the game at the moment. Probably the best that the competition's seen um, across the across every NRL club, and, and Will Kennedy, certainly one of those players, he's not flying under our radar at the moment. No, we know what he brings to, to the Cronulla team, and... Um, just going back to uh, what you said about Chance and his addition to the club and, you know, Chance's his experience that he's bought for us. Things that people don't see, you know, things like getting his defensive numbers right and his talk that he brings and, and the positive attitude that he brings. So, yeah, certainly going to be a really good match-up there between, um, between two classy players. And nice to have Wade Egan back because uh, his uh, start in the first uh, three rounds was quite outstanding. Yeah, I thought Wade, his... Um, his form, he's in sort of best form at the moment. What he, uh, what he brings to the team around the ruck, um, you know, brings players onto the ball really well. Um, and again, one of those players that just does all the little things that people don't see. You know, you kick pressures, you kick chases. He's just, you know, that, that niggly player that you know um, the opposition kickers don't want to have have coming at. So uh, yeah, very nice to have Wade back back in the fold this weekend. Right, um, Stacey. Um we need to uh, ask this question. I, I don't suppose you've got an, an absolute update yet, but um, all eyes, uh, of course, on Tohu Harris when he had to leave the field last week. Uh, what is um, what is the time zone in terms of his availability uh, this week? Do you have to make a decision? Have you made it? No, we haven't. We'll, um, we'll get training tomorrow morning uh, before we fly out, so uh, we'll have a, have a better indication there. So Tohu's feeling better each day. Um, you know, as an older, experienced player, you know, who really knows his body, he's had knee, knee issues before. So, uh, yeah, we'll 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 have more indication of where Tohu's at tomorrow. But we're we're hoping that uh, 
he's going to be able to make the make the field. But if not, um, you know, we'll be preparing as best we can without him. So, but we'll find out tomorrow. You mentioned before about um, the coaching setup um, and how you've, you're, you're all getting your roles uh, quite nicely sorted now, but it's quite an interesting dynamic because it's it's more of a shared responsibility type uh, type st- setup this year. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. It is quite. Uh, it's something different that um, I haven't really um, done much of in the past. But uh, yeah, Rich Agar looks after sort of all the outside backs, the edges, and and Justin Morgan looks after the, the middle forwards, and I sort of float in between around sort of our our transitional stuff, and and obviously the the boss Webby oversees everything we do. So we all cross over in certain parts of of what we do, but. Um, Oh, look, I'm, I'm just really enjoying, um, first and foremost, being back at Mount Smart, but also working um, with uh, with this group of coaches. Oh, I guess, and, and that too, particularly for the, the newer players uh, in, the, in, the, in the group, in the club, um, that, that stability of being at home. But what it does do is that special atmosphere that is quite unique. Uh, and we're seeing good crowd numbers. Yeah, we, we are. It was a great turnout on, on Sunday afternoon here at Mount Smart, the sun was out, so uh, yeah, hopefully um, you know, the, the crowds keep coming, hopefully the, the team keeps performing and then the crowds will turn up, So, but it, it's certainly nice to be back at home. And uh, just finally, uh, Stacey, on the uh, other aspect of the injury count at the moment, uh, where are we at with uh, Mitchell Barnett, Tamari Martin and uh, Dallin Watini Zalesniak? Are, are they back yeah. shortly? Yeah, yeah, so um, we know... Um, uh, Mitch has got um, a specialist appointments coming up, uh, I think today actually, and then um, we'll know a bit more there. Uh, Dallin's not too far away, um, and Tamari obviously a head knock, which is you know a, a big uh, discussion point in the game at the moment and, and the history that Tamari's had. Uh, we've got to be really careful with him. So, uh, but he's getting better each day. Um, he's been at training, um, doing light light stuff. So. Hopefully, um, you know, all three of them will be, be back on the field um, pretty soon. With, with all your history in the NRL, uh, and I'm just looking here, uh, generally here, uh, I'm just wondering, um, Stacey, have you ever seen the start to a competition where, like, everyone is vulnerable? I mean, have you, uh, who would have said the Dolphins and yourself would be in the top four at this stage, in all honesty, going into the season? Have you ever, ever seen a season set up like this? Yeah, I'm not sure, Smithy. Um, Look, it's early days, and and obviously teams need things to go their way. You need to be pretty healthy, and and those those probably top four teams have have pretty good experience within their squad. But um, with the the salary cap and and whatnot, um, you know you, you certainly need things to go your way and, and be healthy. So uh, the the game is that tough. That, you know, if, if you have sort of three or four players not turn up, then you know it's going to be a tough day. So you need you need to make sure that. You know, you've got 17 players that take the field that are, that are on their game, but um, you can't take anyone lightly in this competition. Stacey Jones, always a pleasure to uh, hear you on our station. Uh, all the best for Sunday. Travel safely and uh, all the very best over there. It's going to be a tough one, but uh, the way you're going, um, it's a lot more encouraging. Thank you. Thanks for your time, mate. Awesome. Nice. Thanks, Smithy. See you, bud. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Stacey Jones there, the little general, the man uh, who, of course, is... Uh, heart and soul of the Warriors um, and enjoying better times I think it's fair to say but as he said it's early days 
Early days, but uh, better science, no doubt about it. 9.22 here on SCNZ. Needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Yes, uh, it's 9.27 after 9.30. We're going to uh, open up the lines uh, for you, talk a bit of talk back. I'd love to hear uh, your views. Um, uh, sermon was... I'd say it's tongue-in-cheek because I don't think it, not sure it'll ever happen, but a draft system in the Super Rugby. Uh, I've always uh, been quite interested in this concept because I follow American sport very closely. And the, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, there are franchises around New Zealand that desperately need players who are not doing anything in the franchises where they sit. And uh, that, that to me is uh, frustrating. It's such, uh, it's such a small season compared to Americans' sporting seasons anyway. Uh, so little, you get fewer opportunities in Super Rugby, particularly if you're um, a dirt tracker, uh, but a very keen uh, and a very good dirt tracker who could easily slot into um, a starting 23 in another franchise. So it's, uh, this was this, um, a very interesting article that I, I wrote, uh, that I didn't write, I read, sorry, um, and it was, um, it was prompted by this uh, young fellow, Harry Sutton, who's a, a journalist out of uh, Christchurch. And in fact, he's a trainee journalist. He's studying uh, to be a journalist. So I thought it was quite an interesting concept, Logan. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely one that's sort of been thrown around a bit. You know, a good friend of the show, Justin Nelson, is a very huge advocate of uh, competitions like Super Rugby incorporating more North American-style ideas like that um, one that Brian just threw at me before, actually, was maybe instead of a trade system, what if you looked at more of what you see in, you know, European football where they have a loan system instead yep. of, you know, removing them away from their families and having to up sticks? What if, okay, for the remainder of this season, instead of playing for the Chiefs or, you know, being on the bench for the Chiefs, you're going to go get a start for the Highlanders. Uh, and you, you might only be in Dunedin for, you know, a few weeks at a time instead of completely moving away. So, uh, yeah, I just sort of wonder if maybe that will combat this idea that, you know, if the Players Association are against the move of having a tr- mid-season trade, would that soften the blow? Well, Rob Nicol is against it. Uh, he's totally against it because uh, he doesn't think it's fair on the players, their families. Um, so to uproot and, uh, and move. I mean, a lot of these guys, uh, the, the bracket I'm talking about are players that are quite young, don't uh, fall into that category anyway. They're, they're pretty transient in their lifestyle. So I, I don't, I don't see, um, um, I don't see too many negatives in it. Um, to be honest, and I, I don't mind the loan system, Brian. I, I think that's a good one. I really do is as a forerunner to maybe a trade system further down the track, a loan system initially just to see how that goes. Um, yeah, for instance, you know, you, you, the give and take of it of uh, player exemptions when it comes to the All Black resting period. I mean, Crusaders, the mighty Crusaders, um, had to get a dispensation so Scott Barrett could play this weekend. And uh, who would have ever thought that that would happen, that the Crusaders might have to go cap in hand to get some help. But that is the fact of the matter because they've had such a horrific run with injuries. So um, that's something that perhaps you, you might like to talk about, a loan system or a draft system in Super Rugby uh, to make it a little bit more appealing and make sure that the standards throughout the franchises stay uh, as consistent as they possibly can. Uh, also, it's a massive weekend of sport. Uh, Formula One people might want to uh, ring up and uh, we don't hear from motor racing fans very often, but uh, your prospects uh, for this weekend at Albert Park, the Battle of... Um, 
State Highway 1 between uh, Hamilton and uh, Eden, and uh, Eden Park. So that, that's on tomorrow, isn't it? Um, FMG Stadium, Eden Park. The Chiefs are up against the, the, the Blues. I can't wait for that particular match. And, of course, Warriors fans, uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, how you think they'll go against Cronulla. I think very tough. Very tough Cronulla on the back of the fact that Nico Hines is back in that second uh, second half performance uh, against the Dragons last week was super impressive. So 0800 150 811, what takes your fancy this weekend? Uh, even if you've got a horse to tip, I'll be happy with that. 9.31 here on SENZ. Talkback time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150 811. Right, first up this morning, uh, Brian from Christchurch. G'day, Brian, how are you? Uh, I'm very well, thanks, Smitty. Smitty, um, I've been listening to yourself and a few others pundits um, talking about the, the uh, crowd numbers and people going away from rugby generally and uh, enjoying the NRL a lot more. And um, I've thought to myself, which I've mentioned in the past but not in depth, the reasons to me are quite obvious. You know, when you've got a whole generation of new rugby players believing that the rolling mall is the be-all and end-all of the game, when you've got coaches that are recruiting guys that are training in the local pie shop so they can indulge in a rolling mall in the last 20 minutes, and when you've got crazy laws around the head knocks, I mean, how can you possibly make these rules, red cards for head knocks and everything else, while at the same time you're telling players, if you hold them upright, they'll lose possession and you gain possession? Well, that's inviting head knocks. I mean, it's total insanity, and it comes from the IRB. It's about time that the Southern representatives spoke up and told these poor old idiots in London, this is not the way you run the, the game. I know that they've got great strength in rugby in the Northern Hemisphere, and the league's very, very minor. But they're going to lose the crowds, they're going to lose the people, they're going to lose fanatical rugby people like myself. Honestly, I've heard you mention a number of times, Smithy, about the NRL and uh, how inviting it is, and I find myself against my own wishes enjoying it more because it's an open running game like rugby should be and used to be what what gets me about watching rugby brian and i i get your sentiments and i can hear the passion in your voice because you really damn well care about it you've been you know a fan for so long and a, and a follower for so long is every time they go into contact in rugby union these days i don't look at the contact i wait for the referee's arm to go out that's all I do, Absolutely. you know, and I've been commentating rugby for 20 years and I, now that I'm not commentating it, I sit back with a, a more open look at the game and I look at it and I think, who, I mean, I just might as well look at the referee because his arm is invariably going to go out. Yes, yeah. It's one of these referees aren't suing for RSI. I'm absolutely right I mean you you have a right Um, I believe you have a right as a spectator as a paying fan as a subscriber on television to see the ball and play more than you're seeing in rugby okay they've got new rules it it might be the the turning point for them where we're seeing the game sped up a wee bit but they'll find ways to slow it down that's what they did in the first place oh my god 
you know, it's just madness, really. Uh, uh, like, I believe it all comes from these old funny days at the IRB that don't really know much about rugby. You, you need to sit down, uh, Brian. Uh, you need to sit down at some stage with uh, Grant Nisbet. You and him will have a great little chat about the rolling mall because he is so in your camp, it's not funny. So in your camp. Yeah, well, uh, as I mentioned to Grant at uh, one stage earlier on, you know, William Webellis would turn in his grave if he saw the way that they're playing rugby now. Pick up the ball and run. You know, it's pick up the ball and crawl. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, the rolling mall is just... I mean, who would ever thought that the hookers would be um, low in the betting for top strike scorers in any game of rugby? But they are now. <laughs> They're bringing on the Brian last from, 20 minutes, Smithy. Yeah, I know. The last, someone that could never, yeah. ever uh, play a half, let alone the whole match. Yeah. But like I say, they look like they're training at the local pie shop, you know? But they're exactly what you need if you want to stultify the game and slow everything down and score tries with rolling malls. You're right, Brian. Absolutely right. Um, enjoyed listening to you, uh, and thank you very much for your call. Uh, you're spot on there with uh, one of the big turnoffs in the game. Um, and uh, have a great weekend, man. Uh, Cliff from Dunedin. G'day, Cliff. Yeah, good morning, Smitty. Yeah, no, old... Sean Fitzpatrick never scored any tries through rolling balls. He always got a few out on the wing after we were moving the ball wide. So, uh, Dane Coles. Yeah, Dane Coles, too. Wasn't that long ago Dane Coles was scoring him out wide? Yeah, it's it's a different game now. But, hey, it was great to hear Stacey Jones on this morning. You know, yep. sounds like things are good at Warriors camp. It's good to see they've got a... A, a second grade, a reserve grade, and an under 19s keep these boys uh, interested, keep them playing, give them something to go for. You know, the, there's no options here when you're young. You tend to get drifted overseas. You get, you might go to a family you've got in Australia, and you end up getting picked up playing a, a one of the grades in Queensland or New South Wales. But we'll go back to the old rugby. It's just. I listened to Mr Moffat the other day. I really, I listened to what he said, and look, there was a wee bit of a talk yesterday with a couple of the guys reckon that he's a bit negative, but I think a lot of what he says is right. You, you've got to communicate to the people, and that's why I think people are a bit off rugby. There's just no communication from from the head office. It's like they they're a tower on the hill, and they've got a moat around them, and they're all bunkered in. You know, they've got communications managers, they've got managers for everything going, but nobody wants to talk, let alone the chief executive, you know. And if he don't want to say nothing, I, I listened to a, an interview with Steve Hansen, it was probably six or eight months ago now, and he said that it was a shame that him and Steve Chu left at the same time, that there was too, too much intellectual, I think, it went out the door. And it left them in a position where... You know, you, you've got to have one guy at least who knows what he's doing because in the end we look like we had two guys who don't. And, one, and both of them have got a, you know, probably got their string to go. If we don't win the World Cup, maybe the chief executive might walk too because Fozzie's already decided to go. <laughs> It'll be yeah, interesting, it won't it? What do you reckon? It is. I've never seen um, a bigger difference in CEOs in terms of their... 
relationship with the media and relationship uh, with the public than Steve Chu and Mark Robinson. I, I, I just simply haven't. I mean, it's just like it's like winter and summer. It's just it's just incredible to me that I mean, Steve Chu would have been so to the forefront in the last month or two sorting this stuff out and letting the public know how he was going to sort it out. Uh, and he would. One thing about Steve Chu, right or wrong, he never left you guessing. He came, he fronted up. He never left you uh, open to speculation. And speculation and guessing and rumours are what the New Zealand rugby have to get a long, long, long away, uh, way away from because it's, it's rife. That attitude is rife, and that's what the public are, are hearing and seeing. Yeah, well, the last, the last uh, board chairman, the guy from Christchurch who took over, he was only there a couple of years. I don't really think he had the time to do what he did, but they moved him on as some sort of old fossil, I think, and they brought in the ex-Governor-General, but had, I would have thought things might have been a wee bit more open with her, but it doesn't look like it's any different. You know, it's just it's just a hard listen. It's a hard... Well, there's nothing to listen to. There's there's very little stuff going... I follow the All Blacks on, on the internet, on Facebook... There's not much comes out about anything. You know, there's so much to talk about. The, even the super super rugby, just the way, the shortages. But there's there's nobody from the from the head office. It's, it's, it's just left for the local franchises to try and keep rugby moving. But there's no, there's no interest. There's nobody going to the games. You know, unless it's a real big top bill game, Crusaders, Blues or Chiefs and that. There's nobody really there. You know, I watched a game at Highlanders game the other day and they just tended to be a lot of students at one end and they, I don't know whether they can't get cameras to circle the ground there very well. They don't never show the north stand, the steep one, whether there's no cameras on the other side that really look up that way. But, yeah, no, people just aren't interested. If they're not going to get the, the people behind them, I don't see everyone wearing black by the end of the year for the World Cup. Just ain't happening. Nah, Cliff, uh, you make a good point, and uh, I think you're the voice of uh, a lot of people um, uh, around the country. Um, and there's a lot of frustration, and frustration lends to people grabbing the remote and going in a different direction. And we yeah, we've just heard from Brian, who's an absolute union man, who's starting to think that league's not a bad option. Um, and uh, you, you're talking to one right here and now. Um, the same thing. Uh, I'm not a, an absolute 100% uh, convert, uh, Cliff, uh, but I am seriously much more interested as a spectacle in watching a game of rugby league right now. Maybe it's because I'm used to rugby and I've maybe I've had enough uh, for a little while. Um, let's uh, thanks, Cliff, for your call. Uh, let's go to Scott from Taranaki. G'day, Scott. G'day, Ian. Uh, Cliff hit the nail on the head a little bit with rugby saturation. I, I firmly believe that, and I know Alan Moffat has this thought process too, that I think we should drop Super Rugby completely and go back to domestic rugby but incorporate a little bit of Australian rugby into it because then you buy back into your tribalness, I guess you would say, with Taranaki and, and the, the likes of Auckland and, and things like that, but juice it up a little bit so it's a, it's a quality product. Like the NFL, like Ian, you were saying you follow... American sport quite closely. I think what makes the NFL so good is it's a short window, it's, it's exciting, we all love it, and then we're wanting more 
over that period when it's not being played. So we're excited for it to turn up. This turned up at the end of, or what was it, the end of January almost, wasn't it? You know, and, and it goes all the way to October. I think saturation is a problem. And I also think he's also right with the um, CEO. I mean, the way that, that he was dressed to announce um, Robinson as the as the coach of the All Blacks was a disgrace. I mean, the guy's the top job. He should look like the top job, not like he just came out of the bar and decided to grab this guy beside him and he's going to be the All Black coach. I mean, that just says everything, you know. You don't turn up to a job and you're looking like that. So, you know, I just think rugby's got a really big identity problem and I think um, a, a few little things could make a big difference and not uh, let's not even get started on the actual on-field stuff. But, I mean, the game has got big problems when you compare it to NRL, which is pretty simple and we enjoy it. So, yeah. Well, no, no more prouder province, uh, Scott, than Taranaki. Uh, there just simply isn't. And I, I, I've got a, I, I don't know if you're aware of them, but what about player numbers there? Because over here in Hawke's Bay, uh, which is also a very proud province, the ones that, those are the provinces you want to go back to, uh, I've got to say, um, we're struggling in terms of numbers. Yeah, I'm not sure, Smitty, on the, the club footy side of things. I know that grades, for example, are shrinking uh, at your social level, and of course the grassroots levels are so important to the foundations of your club. You can have your top teams, but if you haven't got the bottom teams to look after, you know, the, the grounds or the social side of things and getting families along, I mean, that, that's a big problem. Basket, you know, I'm, a, I'm a big part of basketball, and, and that sport's growing exponentially, you know, all through all aspects of it, from kids to adults. Um, volleyball's another one that's getting great, great numbers going through the sport, you know. I, I think our appetite for the game is, or the sports is changing, but I think rugby's allowed that to happen too. It's, it's lost its grip on being the number one sport in our country. I think it really has. And uh, I think the dual nature of a couple of sports for women and men at high levels, you know, especially basketball, you can go on and play in America and you can go on and do a number of things, you know, and, mm. and make a really good lifestyle out of it worldwide. I think that's, that's appealing to a lot of people too. And you're not in the rain too. Mum and dad's like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. That is a good, uh, it's, a, it's a plus, but it does make the grass grow and you need that over there in uh, Taranaki. Hey, Scott, uh, really appreciate to call. Uh, don't be a stranger, mate. Call up any time. Uh, we'd love to hear from you with those thoughts. Uh, thank you to the callers this morning. I uh, didn't have a chance to get to another couple because um, time constraints, but uh, we'll open up the lines again at some stage, particularly, uh, particularly early next week. 9.47 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the hold Know when the fold Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away And know when to run Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, I just... Uh Lost the jingle there, I've got to say, I didn't hear anything. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Denver Nuggets uh, for this weekend. This is the multi for the weekend. Denver Nuggets to uh, uh, beat the uh, Pelicans. Uh, that's this afternoon. The Nuggets are at $1.34, so uh, hopefully a certainty to kick us off. Uh, I think the Drawer will beat the Rebels. I, I really do, and I hope they do. Um, that would be a great result. That's a buck 67, I think, the Drawer. But uh, sleepy last week, but uh, next uh, today, uh, with, with, over the weekend, with the opportunity to take on the Rebels, I think that's a big chance for them. The Bulldogs uh, to beat the Cowboys, like the Bulldogs, um, and uh, they're pretty evenly priced. So I'm going to go the Bulldog way uh, because they're at home, a dollar eighty-seven. 
Um, and then uh, the Phoenix, the Wellington Phoenix, to beat the Melbourne Victory as well, $2.37. So the Nuggets into the Drua, into the Bulldogs, into the Phoenix, $9.91. $9.91. I think that's a terrific uh, multi for the weekend. And uh, I'm going to take a bit of it myself, to be perfectly honest. Uh, we've got... Um, an opportunity to read some text uh, hopefully just before uh, 10 o'clock and then after that our focus will be on Formula One. It's the Australian Grand Prix. Agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, 9.58, we're back on air, thank goodness, here in uh, Hawke's Bay. I've just uh, had a text through, that's great news, which means you can hear some of these texts that are coming through. There's a common theme. Hayden says, Smithy on club rugby player numbers in Taranaki. I'm playing uh, for one of the eight premier clubs and we're battling to field two senior teams. Also, the best players are getting taken to play Chiefs development games, not good for club game. I echo those thoughts here in Hawke's Bay. Already, people aren't allowed to play because they've got development games or they're possibly in a rep squad. Uh, so I can't play. Brendan says, one of the Christchurch's top rugby clubs can't field a Colts team this year after winning the grade last year. Get that. Um, Taranaki Club Rugby is struggling, uh, Smithy, especially the lower grades, under 20s, etc. Just numbers. That's from Chop and Taranaki. Common theme there, folks, coming through. Um, alarming. I think alarming. Formula One after the break. Agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Formula One is back down under for 2023 with the fast cars, the big money and the huge egos bringing all the usual fanfare and excitement and controversy as the expert pilots are set to burn fossil fuels, I didn't write this, and rubber on the Melbourne Park track, uh, Albert Park in particular. And here to chat more about that and her excitement is our favourite Formula One freak, Aroha Hathaway. Good morning, Aroha Hathaway. Oh, if only they'd bring back the V10s. It the sounds so v- good. Can you do V10s oh, right. with renewable fuel? I need to ask Christopher Luxon. He's uh, announcing his... It's climate change package and Q, including well, well, the fuels. You won't have a chance to go to that because I, I would imagine you know, you've got a cab booked to the airport um, to get to Melbourne. So, um, Do you know, it was touch and go, late. Smithy. It was touch and go. That was going to be a thing. And then I was $5,000 was the last ticket I could get. Wow. That's expensive. That is expensive. One of my friends okay, said to me, that's uh, not bad. And I just thought to myself, well, I don't know how we're friends if that's not a bad price. How are we even friends? <laughs> um, yes, I'm excited. But I think the thing I'm most excited about is that I get to watch it in the daylight. It's, yeah. and, and I'm usually here trying to, tr- pretending to do my job while I'm watching it on seven different screens in the newsroom. So, um, <clears throat> and paying very good attention to the current affairs that are happening around the world. Absolutely. Right, let's uh, look at, uh, this is the third uh, race um, already, uh, it's Red Bull uh, who are dominating. Is this what we expect this weekend? You know, that's what a chatbot would have 
spat out too, and that's what they'll probably spit out every week. Red Bull's dominating. It's so boring. I like that. Checo won last week. Um, and they made all these changes to the cars to have to avoid the same dinner dished up every single race. Uh, but it hasn't really worked. Now it's just a different it's a different dinner, but it's still going to be the same one for the next few years. So the dominance continues, and it's even bigger, I think. What are the changes, specific changes, and why haven't they worked to even the playing field? Uh, well, um, the kind of aerodynamics that are being used on the cars now, it's kind of like they, well, they've always relied on downforce and sort of the sucky effect holding the cars sort of gets sucked down onto the deck uh, and the and the tarmac. It's even more so now, so it's an aerodynamics-based uh, reverse airplane, I suppose you could you could call it, and um, which is what causes the porpoising. Because if you've ever blown, taken a hairdryer and blown it at a piece of paper and watched it sort of, you know, a, a piece of paper on top of a desk and watched it bounce up mm. and down, that's what caused the porpoising. So that's part of the the new regulations, and they were. You also kind of rely on the fact that every team has this new set of rules, and then they have to go and it's sort of like a. Um, a tech show where you go, here's some stuff, go and see what you can make. And you hope that that's a leveller first off. And it was for everyone except Red Bull. And mm. Red Bull had reliance issues at the beginning of last season. You know, they didn't win at um, Albert Park last year. In fact, they haven't won a race there um, since Sebastian Vettel won in 2011. They've only won once in Australia, um, despite having Australian drivers on their teams many, many times when they were at those races, Mark Webber and Daniel Ricciardo. Okay, so let's look at the track. This is Albert Park, and I, I, I can say that I've been around Albert Park, but in an Uber, uh, and that's in the last few months. Quite a slow uh, speed, I would imagine. So all I can say is, is I've had a look at uh, some of it, uh, 5.278 kilometres, 14 turns. Uh, this 58-lap race, which will, uh, in, in the end, they'll, they'll rocket round 306, uh, just over 306 kilometres. So there you go. Um, I've well done a little done, bit of homework Smithy. there. You sound like Crofty. But, um, last year, the race record was um, was with Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc. Um, yeah, yeah, he's got the, uh, one, he's got the race one, record for Melbourne. That's right. Okay, so... Well, he um, won, so you'd have to hope that he had the fastest lap there. So is, is that a reason why Red Bull haven't won there? I'm, uh, the reason I gave you the dimensions and, and ramifications of the track? <sighs> well, you're a little... Maybe you're closer to the truth because it is a street circuit sort of place, right? It has been hard to overtake there, but they've made changes to Albert Park and Daniel Ricciardo helped with some input, so he reckons, that helped with the redesign. So they've introduced an extra DRS zone, they've changed some of the corners, it's made the track a bit faster, but it's still essentially a street circuit. You know that because you've been on it in an Uber, which, mm. um, by the way, you won't be able to do anymore, Smithy, not during an F1 week. All the track no. walks have to be just track walks now. You're not allowed to go on there and with electric scooters or with bikes anymore. They've banned it, another cool FIA rule that no one cares about. But the rules that do pertain to motor vehicles, they can't get right, like the bands they put on Fernando Alonso last time out, you know? He was third place, he wasn't third place, he was third place, so... You won't be able to Uber around Albert Park anymore. But yes, it's a fast track and a street circuit track with walls quite close and some of the corners they've flattened out a little bit to give it a bit more steam and they've given more DRS zones. But you're right, the track does suit... Well, you know, it suited Red Bull too last year... But the car blew up, so 
they had some reliability issues. Right, okay, let's look at um, Verstappen and uh, Sergio Perez, Aston Martin, Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll, Mercedes, George Russell, Lance Hamilton, Ferrari, Carlos Sainz Jr. and Charles Leclerc. Is that where we're looking? Are that basically the four teams we're looking at here? Yep, that's, and I wouldn't see, I mean, you might see Alpine get in there with Pierre Gasly giving it a nudge. Um, the What people really want, I think... We want anything this season that's going to add to the excitement because, you know, first and second, is in, our, in, in most fans' mind, if you're a Red Bull fan, you're, you're loving this. You're basically living the last, besides last year and the year before, um, Lewis Hamilton's seven victories. And if you're a Lewis Hamilton fan, you've had your fair share. So now if you're a Red Bull fan, you're like, finally. But these four teams sort of can't compete evenly. You've got three teams in there and then Red Bull. So unless something happens to their vehicles um, or some weird penalty gets dished out to them, um, those three teams, and those three teams are kind of interchangeable. I think Mercedes is a little bit faster than they thought they would be. I'm sure Ferrari's sitting there wondering how the heck they're not, I don't think they're even second on the constructors' table. I think Mercedes is sitting second at the moment, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but you would have thought last, you know, in the last couple of years, McLaren would be up in that mix and the, and the best of the rest. They're nowhere near it, and that's a bit of a shame because Oscar Piastri is the Australian home driver, um, replacing mm. another Aussie, Daniel Ricciardo. The job was replaced by Oscar Piastri's manager, Mark Webber, who's another Aussie who did all the background work. So it's Oscar Piastri's home Grand Prix, and he's in. He's he's may as well be driving a blimmin' papaya. Stick some wheels on it, and we'll probably go faster. <laughs> Which is Listen, sad because um, McLaren's, my, you know, uh, McLaren is my is my yeah. real favourite team because it has a New Zealand history to it. So I really want yeah. that car to go fast, but they're just it's not Team Papaya, it's Team Lemon at the moment. Team Lemon, right? So well, here's an interesting sideline to this: Max Verstappen's contract is up soon, and will surely be in uh, high demand, but very expensively so. Yeah. Um, what do you think here? What are you thinking here? I think he's through to twenty twenty five. Wouldn't it be nice to it? see the best? Wouldn't it be nice to see the best driver go to a, um, a slightly less efficient organisation and build it? Uh, that's incredibly painful as a fan of a driver. If you were a fan of Sebastian Vettel and you watched him move on from Red Bull to Ferrari, which wasn't a team with no money and no resources, and then when very little... Com you know, unfortunately, he had the bad... Uh, fortune of having to go up against Lewis Hamilton at the same time as he moved to Ferrari, so that was no fun for him. But yeah, I mean, you make it sound like a great dream, Smithy. It would need to be a lot more money, and I can tell you that those guys who are used to coming first don't want to come anything but first. It would you'd have to come out of retirement to rebuild a team, I think, like Fernando Alonso did to make it worthwhile, mm -hmm. because you know you're starting at a different place, respectively. Um, and ego, I think ego would be. You'd need to have a lot of money. You'd need to be like, mm. you'd need to be Lawrence Stroll kind of money. More than that, even. Why? Who do you think? So, where do you want him to go, Smithy? What do you want to rebuild? I, look, I just want to see it more even. I just want to, and that's why I'm looking forward to this race this weekend because Red Bull's history doesn't suggest, you know, they're going to have to overturn history for them to win on this track, which is quite interesting for me. Explain this to me. This, the, sure. the cap is now 145 million US basically equates to $232 million New Zealand. Unless you're Red Bull, yes. 
yeah, designed. It's designed to level the Formula One field. Mm. Why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? I think it will work eventually. It doesn't work straight away. Um, because incrementally teams get brought closer together. If you're winning and you're at the top, you start getting less wind tunnel time. And so you you lose greater privileges. So even though Mercedes really wanted to come second last year in the in the constructor series, coming third was more beneficial to them because they had more wind tunnel time. So those things are designed to um, give you a make sure that, that law of diminishing returns becomes a becomes a real mathematical equation. And it takes time and it's essential. But the other thing is you have to be sticking to it, right? If you're not sticking to it, then you're getting some kind of benefit somewhere else. Red Bull can say as much as they like that they got no benefit from their overspend. And we all know that that can't be possibly be true. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had to overspend. They would have mm. been able to stick with and unless the barriers are as rigid as the street barriers around the circuit, um, which is, we, we can change tracks to, you know, unless they're that rigid, it won't work. So it has to be 100% um, enforced. I can see a text there saying, who's the bolter this weekend? Yes. Oh, I just reckon I it's just Fernando. Look- There's no one else. Well, I, no one else has got a car just, fast enough. I was just looking at the betting, uh, to be honest. Max Verstappen, unbelievably, a dollar thirty. Perez, five dollars fifty. I mean, dollar thirty in a race with all the ramifications and all the variables that can happen. I mean, we're talking technology as well as skill here. A dollar thirty favourite, um, and Fernando Alonso, your bolter, you might say, eight bucks. Charles Leclerc, twenty bucks. Oh, that's harsh. Oh, I hope he doesn't read that because he's quite good and he won there last year. And he's had some, as well as some technical malfunctions, they also had some poor calls off the pit wall last year. And then, of course, Matteo Binotto being fired as a result of it. There have been some personnel changes. I mean, McLaren's made some personnel changes over the last couple of weeks too. They've done a bit of a shake-up to try and get back to winning ways. I don't know how that fixes the papaya lemon. They've got a couple of good drivers. Teams are doing everything they can. Like, let's not, let's be really clear. They are throwing everything within their price cap, their budget cap, they're throwing everything at it. You know, Toto even Mm. turned around and said, I would completely copy Red Bull's car. I wouldn't even mind sticking a Red Bull sticker on the back of it to say thanks for the copyright if I could win races. They're they're desperate. And it means money too, you know, the the amount of money you win from a first in the constructors compared to second helps you develop that car the next year round. What else do you want to know? Smith, is there anything you really want to know? I'm sure that people who are Formula One fans, they've already got their opinions and they know everything. Formula One fans are so hardcore know-it-all nerds that I hate telling them about anything about it because you're either going to be stabbed in the face with their eyeballs um, or it's very polarising. It's a bit like politics at the moment. Right, okay. Um, What we are not going to see is... uh um, too many um, over-celebrations uh, from the the, the crews oh. because FIA have clamped down on this. They're saying climbing the wall, hanging off the wall during checkered flag moments are completely out now. There will be strict penalties for that. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I just got myself together. Thank you. Uh, there, I glitched when I first read about that. There have been some... Dungy-ass rules, man. They're trying to ban Lewis Hamilton from wearing his nose ring. He's been wearing earrings, and I 
just for you, Smithy, went back and I stalked all the photos of Lewis Hamilton since he started racing. And I I found him wearing earrings from as as early as 2010 in his race suit on, on the grid. So... You know, you, you get fined if you wear a nose ring now. You, you can't ride a bike around the track walk. And now the teams can't stand by the finish line and, and kind of put their arms and wave their hands around at the finish line if they're on the fence. I do understand that it might be a bit dangerous if one of them were to topple onto the track. But it seems so mad that they would have a blanket ban you would think that they would have a quantifying word in it, like being on the tr- on the fence in a way that seemed to be unsafe. I actually went and looked up Appendix H, Article 2.3.2 of the FIA ISC, and it said it is forbidden. This is the very last sentence. It is forbidden for personnel to climb on pit wall debris fences at any time. Any action by the team breaching this ban will be reported to the stewards. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant research. I think that's absolutely fantastic. I've researched the weather. Showers today in Melbourne. Fine, uh, mostly uh, cloudy uh, Saturday. Sunday, partly cloudy, but a lot of sun around. So uh, we won't be worrying about uh, tyres and that sort of thing. Oh, the tyres are down. The tyres have been getting chewed through, Smithy. There's been a lot of dig on different tracks. So I'm hoping that this track will... I can't even remember what the degradation like was, was last year. But that's one of the things, you know, with these new tyres. They've, they've got whole new tyres. They're a whole different shape, a whole different size, and they're still figuring out what the degradation's like on them and the vehicles. Um, but I hope for rain. It seems like only rain or a blown-up Max Verstappen engine. I used the word engine. Mm. Back Max Verstappen engine um, will change the odds on that race. Okay, well, you've prompted a lot of texts, and you can see them. Uh, we haven't got time to answer them now, but you might like to at some point. What happened to uh, Terrell and Lotus? Uh, loving the Formula One chat. I, I hope they pay you in bluff voices for the next weekly chat. Uh, Paddy's come in and said, the only thing stopping Max is if his car had a failure, Checo is an obvious second choice because with four DRS zones that Red, Red Bulls will be over one second a lap faster than everyone else. That's technical. Um, and uh, hi, guys. I'm with you. Uh, uh, bring back the, the V10s was there in 2005. What an awesome sound. So uh, you've prompted a lot of uh, conversation here, Araha. We thank you for your time this morning. Um, how, how are we to be watching the race? Uh, loudly, because it's during the day. Usually I have to keep it very quiet so I don't wake up anybody else yeah. or disturb the boys who are on air. Um, and with something sparkly in my house, surround sound, and I'm being serious, I have seven screens. You're amazing. Thank you. Something. Uh, Well, I hope you're at work on Monday. I hope you're at work on Monday so we can um, perhaps reflect on it. Uh, 10.19. Beautiful. Thank you, uh, Araha. That was great. Um, And we'll be back uh, with a panel very, very shortly. Sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. We've got Jared Cronin with us this morning and Graham Beasley. Um, we'll start with you, Graham Beasley. Uh, there's cricket on this weekend. Uh, I'm finding it just a little bit hard to maintain my interest in the concluding parts of the season. Maybe it's uh, because, just like in rugby, uh, the best players now aren't often available with the IPL. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Also, I think we were treated so much during the um 
during the two test series. Um, so I think anything after that is a bit of a come down. Yeah, you're right. So we've got like about 11 players now, I think, over in India. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a good chance to see, you know, the likes of Chad Bowes and Henry Shipley, to see how Tom Blunder will go opening um, and things like that. Some new players coming in. I'm looking forward to see Lister play. Um, but you're right, it sort of seems more, almost like sort of trial matches or something like that, rather than... Um, rather than the big deal. And, and the game getting washed out on Tuesday, I don't think helped either. It sort of made the, these games lose a bit of momentum, but hopefully we'll get a full win in today. Is there any hope for a guy like a Clarkson, who uh, was absolutely amazing for the Stags the other day? Do you see any, uh, in all honesty, any any chance for him? I mean, we're still seeing the Henry Nichols-type player in the squad. Um, wouldn't it have been an opportunity to try something there? Would have been. I think if they were picking these squads now, I think Clarkson would have been in there, probably ahead of someone like McConkey. Um, and and I do see him as someone for the future. And what he showed on Tuesday is he can score the big runs under pressure. You know, when when, when he came to the wicket at forty-eight for four or whatever it was, um, CD were in real trouble. Um, and to play an innings like that, full of just such self-confidence and pressure situation when Canterbury were on top. I think shows that he certainly has the ability to um, to go up a notch. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets picked for the ODI leg of the Tour of Pakistan or maybe um, those games in the UAE and the ODIs in, um, in England. But he's possibly left his run for the World Cup a little bit late, I think. But um, I think that he will be very much in the um, in the book of the new selectors. Because, of course, um, it's the end of the Gavin Larson era now. So... Um, so when the new selectors, when they're chosen, come on board, I think his his name will be in the mix. Well, it may well too be the end of the um, Gary Steady era too, uh, because he's uh, he's been uh, one of the biggest fans for splitting the role. Now uh, might come back to that, Graham. But Jared, uh, welcome to you uh, this morning. Probably the man uh, most talked about in uh, rugby league circles because he's going to rugby union is uh, J- Joseph uh, Suili'i. Uh, but still finding form for the Roosters. What have you made of this uh, fiasco, which has played out quite publicly in Australia? I'm not hearing Jared. Is, um, I might have to stay with um, stay with Graham momentarily while we get this. Thumbs up, uh, Logan. Shall I stay with? Rightio, Graham. Let's uh, let's get back to um, the the cricket side of things as well. New Zealand A versus Australia A this weekend. Hardly knew that was on. Yeah, well, I mean, it's sort of arranged pretty late in the piece, I think, and I get the feeling it's been arranged by Australia rather than by New Zealand. Um, and and the facts of that is that they're playing with Duke balls. So this is basically giving some uh, players on the fringe of the Australian um, squad to be picked for the Ashes the opportunity to see how they will go in English conditions with the Duke ball. And Christchurch in early April is probably pretty similar to, um, you know, Headingley in August, I'd say. So, um, and because Australia put just so much resource into the Ashes, it really is such a focus for them um, that they leave no stone stone unturned. So um, I think it's them that have initiated this, um, but it is a great opportunity again. I mean, the the A program is so important, um, and because of COVID, that was sort of put to bed for a couple of years. We didn't have it, and and it is just such a, such a good way to see whether these players have got the ability to step up. This will be a good Australian side. Any Australia A side is going to be powerful, isn't it? 
So um, it is a good chance to see how they'll go. Yep, they'll be and, very competitive. Um, um, as you say, plenty to play yeah. for for them. Absolutely. Yeah, and, right, uh, okay, and it's also uh, a chance to see. Oh, sorry, Karen. Yep. I was just going to say, we've, I think we've got Jared uh, back up running now. Jared, I'm just going to re-ask this question regarding Joseph Su'ali. He's been the talking point over there for, um, not for league, but for going to uh, rugby union, <clears throat> but still uh, going to uh, apply his trade, obviously, with the Roosters, so that happens. Uh, what have you made of all this? Yeah, well, in terms of how the young guy's handled it, he's really just taken a lot of it in his stride, and you would really be, uh, you'd be hard to believe that he's actually only 19 years old. So to have been able to make the change that he has in such a high-profile environment, of course, playing at the Sydney Roosters, which is a very high-profile club here in Sydney, uh, so a lot of media attention gets focused on it. There's been everyone throwing in their two cents as to if he should go, if he shouldn't go, if he should go now or, or whatnot and that sort of stuff, if he's worth the money in rugby, blah, blah, blah. But um, the way that Joseph has, has really gone about his business is just the same as basically he's done in his whole young career so far, which is taking it all in his significant stride. And we could see that last night. He was thrown in at the deep end, for the Roosters having to revert back to fullback as Tedesco went out injured, and he went out and he just he just did his thing. He played well. He kept a calm head, and uh, I think he's going to be a a great asset going forward for Australian rugby. Okay, right. We'll take a, a quick break with uh, the news. Uh, when we return, uh, we'll look at uh, the Warriors, of course, and then there's some uh, pretty important uh, Super Rugby matchups this weekend as well. Big talk, big opinions. The panel. Talk to me, yeah. We have uh, with us this morning Jared Cronin uh, and uh, Graham Beasley. Um, yes, uh, Jared Cronin, we'll uh, get to the Warriors, shall we? Um, gee, Nico Hines was pretty good last week, particularly in the second half uh, for the Cronulla Sharks. Now then, uh, Nico Hines and Sean Johnson, how do you see this clash on Sunday for the Warriors? Yeah, huge battle, that one. And you think that, uh, well, you kind of like to hope that Sean Johnson will still have a, a few inside, a, a little bit of inside knowledge about the Cronulla Sharks' workings in terms of he played there for a few seasons. But, of course, he was never there at the same time that Nico Hines was there. So uh, that's going to be a huge battle and obviously will be the headliner. Uh, I, I'm looking more probably to uh, how the Ford Packs are going to take on each other as well as the back five because uh, the Warriors' back five have been putting up magnificent yardage each game so far this season if they can help get our forwards into decent field position and have us push into the the further end of the field then that that's really going to help sean johnson do his thing and shine and likewise uh, the sharks if they do the same thing for for nico hines vice versa so uh, that's going to be a huge huge matchup i don't think the warriors are under any illusions as to how tough this match could potentially be haven't, hasn't been a happy hunting ground over in Cronulla for the past few seasons for the Warriors. Uh, and they know that this Sharks team, as we saw last week, uh, as soon as they put Nico Hines on the field, all of a sudden it's like they've got, you know, three extra players out there. Just uh, they're a different different outfit to take on altogether. So uh, loving what we're seeing early days from Coach Andrew Webster and the Warriors. Uh, but I do also like the how realistic they are going into this particular match with uh, with the Sharks. What have you made, uh, Graham Beasley, of uh, the Warriors this season? I mean, um, I think this time last year we'd have looked at this clash and said, well, we can write this one off, but maybe not this time. Yep, that's that's totally how I see it. I mean, I, I didn't think they really had much of a chance in Townsville a couple of weeks ago, and they went up there and actually won quite convincingly in the end. Um, so I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing to them. There seems to be some real heart 
um, discipline, which is the thing that um, they haven't necessarily been known for in the last few years. So I agree with you. If, if this game was a couple of years ago, I'd be dreading it and just sort of just hoping that people wouldn't wouldn't get injured and things like that. But I think that the Warriors do go into this game with a bit of a status chance. What have uh, you made of uh, Super Rugby this year, Graham? And uh, this weekend, I think the all eyes on Blues Chiefs. Uh, probably that's the big one. Yeah, it hasn't um, hasn't fully engaged me yet. Um, mainly that's partly because the Hurricanes have been having some strange games, and obviously. Um, up against the force in Palmerston North with a pretty um, sort of junior side, if you like, this weekend doesn't grab me. But, yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to tonight. And I think we'll find out tonight if the Chiefs really are the real deal, um, if they can put the Blues away. And I th- are they favourites for this, or is it pretty, pretty evenly split of the TAB? I'll check the market for you, but I think um, it's I think the Chiefs are just favourites. I'll check the market yeah, for you. Yeah. So, so if if they can pull it off tonight, then um, then you know they'll they'll really be the the team to beat. You know um, they'll they'll get a bit of a lead at the top of the table, and it's really for other teams to um, to to take them down from there. So um, that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, uh, what about uh, from uh, where you see, uh, Jared? I mean, obviously uh, a lot of rugby league focus from your aspect of it, but what about the Super Rugby side of it on both sides of the Tasman? Yeah, it's just been going a little bit under the radar, I suppose, uh, over here in Australia. Um, I've been keeping tabs on what's been going on, obviously, because it's uh, ingrained in my veins. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's maybe just struggling a little bit, lost a bit of a step in terms of competing with rugby league and with the NRL in terms of the product that it's putting out. And, and I guess that a lot of a lot of that comes down to trying to get the fans engaged with what's going on. I know it's a tricky one with World Cup year going on. We've got to rest players for the All Blacks and all that sort of thing. But uh, it is, yeah, it's maybe just a, a few steps behind, I would think, uh, in terms of setting the pace from where it was a few years ago. Uh, but, I mean, it could be on the up. They've got the World Cup coming up in a few years here in Australia. So um, Joseph Suwali coming across. Hopefully that can kind of just boost the profile a little bit and uh, and really get things going a bit more. What about the exposure too um, over there this week in particular for the Australian Grand Prix Formula One? Yeah, it's it's been um, it's it's been pretty wall to wall coverage. Everyone's getting excited about it. I think that obviously now that you've you've got the the pandemic in the rearview mirror, so to speak, how uh, that really helps with things. Uh, really helps to try and get more people going properly and, and, and traveling to you know to Melbourne and and actually getting amongst all of the action without face masks and all that sort of stuff all those sort of worries so uh, the the excitement level has definitely gone up a notch this year for the Grand Prix and uh, yeah a lot of people are, are quite excited uh, about what's going to be taking place uh, over the weekend Graham do you show any interest or a, a, even a passing interest in Formula One this is as close as it gets um, to us obviously yeah, it is. Um, uh, I show an interest in this event. Um, I don't pay a huge amount of uh, attention to the Formula Ones that are held in the middle of the night. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of on my bucket list to um, to actually go to the Formula One in Melbourne. You know, seeing the photos on social media yesterday of the players sort of dressing up and walking around the fans and the you know and and uh, uh, and interacting with the fans. I mean, that's great. So they they certainly know how to do it, don't they? So um, yeah, I think that'll be on my. Um, my bucket list to um, to go and have a look at that one year, but just, um, okay, just cool. to yep. uh, sidetrack, one of my favourite days of the sporting year is tomorrow. 
the start of club rugby. I absolutely Ooh, love club I rugby. Like it. Um, it's played during the day. It's free. Um, you get to get, you know, you, um, you get to know the fans and your team, and you, you know, you see them every Saturday during the winter. Um, you get close to the ground. You can hear the, you know, you can hear the tackles. You can hear the calls. Um, just the tribal tribalism of it. So, um, rugby league park tomorrow afternoon. OBU versus Tar. Looking forward to. So you're OBU, yeah? Yeah, I am. So you you you're, um, you go to the Cambridge afterwards? Like, I mean, tell me about a day at club rugby for you, uh, Graham Beasley, because I'm interested. Because club rugby is a pretty hot item. So um, do you? You you oh, clearly you look forward to it. Over you are a pretty well performed side, uh, and um, well, it used to be in the day not that long ago. You used to go to the Cambridge afterwards and share a few y- yep. beers and yarns. Is it still the way it is? Well, we've just moved. So for the last sort of four or five years, we played at Neville Park in Kandala. Um, which is the ground that Wests used to play on, but West don't, don't play senior senior rugby anymore. So we play there. Never really felt like home. Um, so going to the Cambridge from there afterwards, you know, you're trekking back across town. So actually, the group that I go with, we rarely went to the Cambridge. We'd actually normally go to the pub in Kandala afterwards. Um, and if you're playing an away game, it's actually quite a good way to, to find out suburban pubs in Wellington and other parts of town. So if you're going to watch mm-hmm. Rory's, you go to the, the pub in Strathmore afterwards. Um, if you go to watch Paniki, you go to some uh, Parrot Dog in Lyle Bay or something like that. So it is actually quite a good way. Um, oh, and it's always good playing hard old boys because you go to the Bellevue and the first person you always see when you walk in is chat. So, um, so, that's, so that's a good experience. sitting <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> there. Drinking his orange juice, um, but uh, we certainly go to Cambridge when it gets more to the business end of the season, and you know you got your quarterfinals and finals and things like that. Um, so yeah, I have drunk out of the Jubilee Cup at the Cambridge one year, one one of the years. Wow! Now that yeah. is something. That is something. Um, just finally, uh, Jared, what's the clash you're most looking forward to aside from the Warriors Sharks this weekend? Well, I'm actually looking forward to the probably the Panthers Raiders game is probably the most uh, interesting one uh, in terms of you've got a couple of teams who are they're just trying to figure out what they're doing this season. Uh, the Raiders have been struggling a little bit. Uh, the Panthers have maybe just lost a step. They lost the game last week, so they'll be keen to bounce back as well, albeit that the game is being played tonight down in Canberra. So uh, I'm really excited to see what these two teams can uh, can put forward and uh, and just try and establish who they really want to be this season because I don't think either side has really done that quite yet. Okay, interesting. Uh, thank you very much to Jared Cronin and to Graham Beasley. And uh, enjoy that uh, club rugby tomorrow. That'll be Absolutely fantastic. Might even go to a game myself. Uh, there you go. It's 10.42 here on SENZ. And dominates. As recently as the 90s, Ferrari did it with Schumacher. Mercedes did it with Hamilton. Now it looks like Red Bull with Verstappen. Harden up. Find a way to cheat without getting caught. Get on with it. Uh, that's from uh, Eastie. Like it. Um, <laughs> do. Uh, another texter has come in um, unnamed but said I once did love Formula 1, find it a bore IndyCar better to watch, I think it's uh, better to watch from us because we've got we've got three horses in the race when it comes to IndyCar and uh, we have a lot of personal interest in that, uh, if you look at uh, some of the circuits that IndyCar does though, just round and round and round and round and round and round, tends to be a wee bit boring too because passing options in some of those circuits are very very small and you tend to, once you get to the front, you find it very hard not to win. It's as simple as that, as long as your car goes uh, in the right fashion.
So, um, interesting that we're getting uh, a lot of communication though too um, on Formula One and uh, such a, a really big weekend for them. Graham Beasley asked what were the uh, odds for the Chiefs and the Blues. Well, uh, Graham, if you're still listening, $1.67 the Chiefs. The Blues, um, relative outsiders, at $2.25. Yeah, buck sixty-seven to $2.25. They are the current odds at the TAB. And speaking of which, um, the TAB, we shall be <coughs> speaking with the TAB and Louis Herman Watt before 11 o'clock. Right, uh, big uh, racing weekend. Uh, we'll try to get through to Louis Herman Watt uh, because there's racing tomorrow at Awapuni and, of course, uh, at uh, Ramwick tomorrow. Um, it is one of the big days of uh, New South Wales racing. So, uh, Smithy, the uh, TAB are giving great uh, dollar odds on the Formula One. Pick a win bet, and it comes to second to fifth. Uh, back Perez is worth a go to beat Max at five dollars. It's Kevin from uh, Tatarangi. So, uh, Kevin, we appreciate that. And um, Smithy, what is on the menu for breakfast today? All I can hear is chewing. Yes, yeah, so I've got to talk to the cook about that. Um, crunchy toast. That was the problem this morning, but uh, we've got rid of it. And <clears throat> always, always, never speak with your mouth full. So um, it's a very good lesson you've reminded me of. And thanks very much for the text. Uh, Louis Herman Watt, good morning to you. Yes, Manawatu size produce uh, tomorrow as a curtain raiser to the main event, which I still feel is across the Tasman. Well, it is when we're going to win the derby, Smithy. Like, there's no two ways about it. We love this race. We love taking their uh, derbies off them. And um, Pinarello did in the Queensland one earlier now that was this year, which is no, it was last year. <laughs> it was last that year. was wasn't that wasn't that Lee Th- Lee Thinnis's last big ride? It was, mate. And and Quick Thinker did it. Um, they had that wonderful run at the uh, I think it was twenty eighteen. I want to say um, Murray Baker and Andrew Forsman. Andrew Forsman's got another chance again, full of sincerity. Robert Wellwood and Roger James have Mark Twain there for OTI as well. He flashed home wonderful sectionals in the New Zealand Derby. Uh, Stephen Marsh, we spoke to this morning, he's got Andalus, the son of Al Manzel. Somehow he's only won run, one race in his career, but ran a massive race for second in the New Zealand derby. And then, of course, Sharp and Smart Smithy. And Westbury starter, so proud of Sharp and Smart, uh, a Redwood. And tomorrow, I'm actually about to come back into work because I'm being privileged. I've been given an opportunity to speak with Jerry Harvey. And um, he's the breeding supremo, really. He's a massive player, both in Australia and here with Westbury Stud. And I think he owns is the major shareholder of four of the major studs in Australia. And, of course, Harvey Norman, we know that. But, um, you know, he's so proud of Sharp and Smart. I'm really looking forward to chatting to him because I genuinely think he's going to win this derby. And I'm very excited for that. OK. Um, and at home, you, you like um, Tiakau's top weight or not? I, was, I actually spoke to Opie Boston about an hour ago and just sounded him out, and he said he trialled massive. He's turning into a lovely little racehorse. Um, I said, what are you worried about? Any, any, any of them that give you worry? He said, oh, I've got a good draw, so not really, although I agree. Tulsi for John O'Benner and Holly Wynyard, uh, the Autumn Sun filly, she hit the, hit the line very hard last start. So watching those two, but I think Trawbrand will be too good. And I think Seamus is the best bet on the card. He's the top weight, but again, OP Boston, you're going to take 60 kgs if you get on Patrick, so I reckon Seamus will be too good for them in the sprint. Well, a certain Hawks Bay trainer's pretty bullish on low flying as well, so that might be a good each-way money. Uh, Louis, have a terrific weekend, and uh, we'll chat on uh, Monday. Uh, we'll get across to uh, Pip Morris now, and Pip, what a day of greyhounds it is. Three meetings, Adding, Addington, Invercargill, and Palmerston North, and so much sports betting. Where do you start? 
Oh, I know, for there is so much going on. I like a pile of cool women in the first at Addington. I can tell you that for Robin Wales. On the sports side of things, well, we'll start with the cricket. New Zealand taking 84% of the betting head-to-head in the market. Any player to be dismissed for a golden duck at $5 is really popular. And New Zealand <laughs> top run scorer Daryl Mitchell at 4.50. He's really popular there. And Sri Lanka's top run score at $5 is Mendias as well. So that's the cricket uh, plays there. What do you think about uh, New Zealand taking 84% of the betting? Well, I think uh, on the evidence of the first game, uh, we beat them by 198 runs, which is one of the biggest margins I can recall in such a long time. So we'd have to be heavy favourites. But having said that, we've got a number of players out at the IPL. This will be more even. Oh, absolutely. And then quickly, of course, we've got Sharp and Smart and Australian Derby. He is the favourite and he is taking the most bets, but followed behind closely is Mark Twain as well for Roger James and Robert Wellwood. We're looking forward to that. Group 1 action here closer to home at Awapuni for the two-year-olds. And it is Trobianne for Team Tiako who's taking the most money. Of course, they've won the last five. They're trying to grab six in a row, followed closely by Tulsi, who is the second favourite. And we'll have DIY power plays on that race and specials. You can check them all out at tab.co.nz. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The NBA regular season is quickly approaching its end as the penultimate week 24 concludes over the weekend to make way for the final games of the regular season. And while some teams have already clinched their spot in the playoffs including the Sacramento Kings, which no doubt brings joy to their long-suffering fans. Others are fighting for a spot in the, play- in the play-in tournament that decides the seventh and eighth seeds for the playoffs. Joining me now is uh, our favourite Kiwi-based in Brooklyn, not named Short Marks. He's the host of the 3rd and 5 podcast. Here's, of course, Simon Hampton. Simon, good morning to you. Good morning, Smithy. Quite the introduction. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, cool. Hey, look... Uh, Brooklyn, well, let's start with Brooklyn and Sean Mark, shall we? Currently 41 and 35 and sitting in sixth place in the East. They'd be up against Philadelphia if the playoffs started today. How have the Nets performed post-trade deadline since getting rid of Kyrie and KD? Yeah, I, I think it's probably as, as good as they possibly could have done, considering they lost uh, two of the better players in the league and, and, and one of the best players of all time in Kevin Durant just, just a month or two ago. So... Uh, I really like the job Sean Marks has done to, to bring in quality players uh, to turn this Nets team into, you know, well, not turn them into a good side, just, you know, keep them competitive, really. And and you look at guys like Mikel Bridges, the, the young player they got from Phoenix, he is already looking like a player that this Nets team could build around uh, going forward over the next few seasons. So, sure, they're, they're probably not the, the top two or three seed that, that they looked like for for some time under with, with Durant there. And they're probably not going to go on a deep run in the playoffs, but they still look competitive. They're a fun team to root for. I know, hanging out around Brooklyn, there's a lot of passion for this side. They they feel like it's it's an easiest team to support now because there's a lot less drama going on around this team off the court, and so the fans are kind of enjoying the fact that you know it's it's a team of you know a team of players brought together just a few months ago, and and, and they're sort of grinding it out and, and doing the best they can. So. It's quite a fun team to root for, and, and I think uh, they're doing a pretty good job as well. 41 and 35 right now. Uh, there's a chance they slip back into the play-in tournament. They're a game and a half up on the Miami Heat in seventh place, but 
if they can hold on to to sixth spot and, and get an opening round series against the 76ers, then I think that'd be a lot of fun. Well, Simon, uh, the drama continues though around uh, Ben Simmons. What a sad tale of why this is, and now it's what injury based. Yeah, well, yeah, that that's what we're hearing. Uh, a back injury for Ben Simmons. It, it is. You know, a concern. He's he he obviously made his comeback this year. At times, he didn't look too bad early in the season as well, when the Nets were playing quite well with with Durant and Irving, uh, particularly on defense. He looked really good, and, and and it looked like he was building back his confidence on off, offense. But ever since about January, the wheels have sort of started to fall off with with Simmons. He's he's been uh, regularly unavailable through through various injuries, and, and now he hasn't played for some time. And the Nets announcing just a few days ago that they're shutting him down for the rest of the season, and you know you've got to you've got to look at this and wonder like what's the future for this guy at this point? Uh, he's still in his mid twenties. He's still very young. Clearly, has a lot of talent, but there's a real problem here with unlocking that talent, getting him fit and on the court regularly. Uh, and it's a big concern for the Nets as well because they're paying him a lot of money. I think there's still two more years of his contract left, paying him somewhere in you know the mid thirty millions. US dollars per season. So a lot of money for the Nets to fork out for a guy that's regularly unavailable. So, you know, as they look to build their roster moving forward, I, I think there's going to be some some big concerns over Ben Simmons and the Nets will, will want to get that ironed out and, and see what the long-term plans are for, for Simmons moving forward. Okay, we talked about uh, Kyrie Irving and his move to mm. the Mavericks. Well, uh, he's uh, played alongside uh, a man who I regard as one of the most gifted basketballers in the NBA and Luka Doncic. But they've played together for 20 matches or 20 games. They've lost 14 of them. So what's the issue there? And where do the Mavericks sit in terms of the playoffs now? Yeah, so I think this is the story of the NBA at the moment. The, the Dallas Mavericks are in real trouble. They're 37-40. and 40, They're in 11th place. So not even in the play-in tournament at this point. They lost to the 76ers last night uh, slipped them back even further. So they've got work to do just to make it into the play-in tournament at this point, which is a you know really disappointing turn of events for a team that went all out to try and get Kyrie Irving and surround Luka Doncic with the star that they thought could, could take this team to the next level. Instead, it's, it's, it's knocked them down a level. And, and I think there's huge concerns about what this team can do this season, obviously, if, if they can even make the playoffs. It's pretty clear that they're, they're not going to be a, a top contender. But then you've got to look at them long-term as well and, and know that Kyrie Irving is a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, he's been constantly linked to to a move to the Lakers to play with LeBron James again. So, so that'll be rumoured a lot in the off-season. And the Mavs have also traded away a bunch of role players and a bunch of draft picks to the Nets as part of that Kyrie Irving deal. So there's a chance here where Irving walks for free at the end of the season that the Mavs are left with nothing uh, and they're kind of in a worse place than they are now. And, you know, I don't think they're going to entertain the idea of moving a player as young and as talented as Luka Doncic, who I agree with you is, is one of the most gifted players around. But you, you've got to really wonder about the long-term future of, of this franchise and, and where they go to, to build a competitive team around Doncic. So Durant went to Phoenix, uh, hasn't played um, because of uh, injury, but did. Um, and they had 107-100 uh, win over the Timberwolves yesterday, scoring uh, 16 points, uh, KD. Um, how do you think he's uh, going to fit in there? Yeah, I, it's it's tricky. I mean, it, it was a quiet return to the court for, for Kevin Durant. Obviously, 16 points is not, not the level that he usually operates at. I, I think he's going to work pretty well at Phoenix, and I think the Suns will probably be pretty content 
uh, with just making sure he's fit for the playoffs. That's the big concern for them. They're, they're five games back of the Kings. It was always going to be a challenge for them to to even, you know, even if Kevin Durant was fit for the last month or so, for them to, to get up into that third seed or even second seed. So uh, I think at this point, the Suns are probably pretty happy just making sure that Kevin Durant's fit for uh, what will be a first-round clash, likely with the, the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, Durant going up against his old mate from the Thunder, Russell Westbrook. So that'll be interesting. But I, I think Durant's going to fit in quite well at, at the Sun side. It, it seems like he really enjoys playing with, with Devin Booker, the, the, the other star of the, the Suns team. So uh, they, obviously they, they probably would have liked to have had him on the court playing uh, with his teammates a bit more often. But uh, I think Durant is, is such a quality player that, that the fit is going to be pretty good there. And, and I think they'll be, they'll be fine. Right, Sacramento's a hell of a story. Uh, this is a side with a fan base not used to being around at the pointy end of the season. But uh, if they uh, the season ended today, the regular season ended today, they'd be up against the, the Golden State Warriors. What about the firepower that they possess, the Sacramento Kings? Is it enough? Yeah, well, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because you look at the, their roster and, and there's not a lot of household names there, uh, but they're a really good side. Uh, and those players are quickly becoming household names. De'Aaron Fox, uh, Demantis Sabonis, they're a really strong team. And I, and I think um, it's, it's going to be interesting if they do indeed go up against the Warriors because uh, the Warriors are down in sixth, sixth position, but they had a really slow start to the season. So uh, I think the Warriors over the past couple of months have actually been one of the better teams in the NBA. And so that's a, a really challenging first-round matchup if they do. It's also a local rivalry with Sacramento and uh, San Francisco very close t- together up in Northern California so um, uh, you know I think everyone will be rooting for the Kings just because they're the, the new kids on the block they obviously haven't been to the playoffs in, in quite some time I think they they actually had the, the longest streak without a playoff run uh, in, in the major North American sports uh, up until uh, securing a spot this year so they've, they've handed that off to the New York Jets and the NFL but uh, they've been the feel good story of the NBA this year they've, they've got the the light the beam celebration that they do every time they win a game. Uh, so I think everyone will be, be rooting for them to, to go far. I think, you know, any anyone that anyone that's team misses the playoffs will probably be turning to the Kings as, as their second team and cheering for them to, to go deep. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Terrell Brantley's an interesting story. He walked off the court with the New Zealand Breakers um, and then, of course, straight into a 10-day contract with his uh, old team that he'd been part of before the Utah Jazz. Uh, in that 10-day period, he appeared in three games over the course of his 10-day deal. Averaged 6.7 points, 1.7 rebounds, 1.3 three-pointers, and one assist in the 9.7 minutes per game. <clears throat> Just rattled those off very quickly. Uh, how do you think? Um, they've got a lot of injuries, so any chance they'll renew that for another 10-day period for cover? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's uh, out of the question at all. And, and, and you know, he's, you know, there's a solid, solid role-playing numbers that he's putting up. But I think this, the broader story here is that I think the NBA is really looking at the Australian and New Zealand basketball league as a, as a, as a quality place to, to go and get talent as well. And, and finding that guys down that come out of that basketball league can actually help NBA teams immediately. Uh, and, and we've seen that with uh, Xavier Cooks. Uh, at the Washington Wizards as well, and, and and the stories about you know these these young guys going going to the NBA, NBL and, and uh, before they declare for the NBA draft as well. So I think this is a, a real vote of confidence in, in the NBL and and the the improvement in quality that it's showing. 
Uh, I know that Sean Marks has made a number of trips down under to, to scout the NBL as well. I don't know if he's, uh, you know, he's probably doubling that up with, with trips to see family back in New Zealand as well. But I, I think what we're seeing is NBA teams just looking down under uh, as a place to, to go and get talent that can, you know, fill out rosters on these, these short-term 10-day contracts um, and, and can actually help the rosters. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, actually. The Wizards, you mentioned Xavier Cooks at the Wizards. Uh, currently two games back of uh, the Chicago Bulls with six games left on the schedule, which includes the Knicks and the Bucks. Two real tough nuts to crack there. Can the Wizards sneak in? They could. I, I think it's pretty pretty long odds um, that they can. Uh, I think two games is a, is a fair bit to, to make up. The Bulls will obviously have their... Uh, be, be pushing to, to, to hold on to that final play-in spot. I mean, it's not out of the question, but uh, you'd have to think it, it's pretty unlikely. The Knicks are, are playing really good basketball this year and, and, and look every every bit of, of you know, a fifth seed and, and deserving of a, a spot in the playoffs. And, and the Bucks are obviously, you know, the, the top team in the Eastern Conference as well. So uh, it's a tough road for them to, to get there. Not out of the question, but, you know, that, this is a team that's still 34 and 42, so they're playing uh, very much playing losing basketball this year, and, and I think it'll be a, a bit of a tough ask to see them get over the hump and uh, make it make it into the play. Right. If uh, we look at um, uh, the Eastern Conference and uh, the final spot up for grabs, Chicago Bulls face uh, Toronto Raptors. Uh, the Raptors have uh, just signed uh, or had signed Yaki Patil uh, in the trade deadline. Uh, let's just, uh, for the sake of uh, Logan Swinkles, our producer, let's just give the Raptors a chance, shall we? Yeah, I think we have to. And, and the Raptors, good on them, because they were, they were talked about as a team that might sell a few of their players at the deadline and, and go into a little bit of a rebuild. I know you know there was talks about them, them shifting Pascal Siakam and, um, and, and stuff like that. And, and they've turned around and actually added players and, and, and had a go at, at trying to compete and Yep, they're 38 and 38. I, I don't think they're going to go on a deep playoff run. Sorry, Logan. But, look, they're a chance. If they, they're in the playing tournament, I can, you know, if they're playing the Heat, the Hawks, and the Bulls as the other teams, I could certainly see them getting out of that playing tournament, getting a, getting a spot in, in the, the final eight playoffs. So um, that would probably mean a matchup with the Bucks or Celtics, which would be pretty challenging for them. But, you know, it's always good to see teams uh, making moves to, to try and compete and try and win rather than uh, trying to rebuild. So good on the Raptors, and, and, and hopefully they can uh, cause an upset uh, come playoff time. Have you heard anything about uh, Bronny James, son of LeBron, making his way to the ANBL? I, I was just reading about that today, actually, and LeVar Ball saying that he should go down there, uh, which would be pretty interesting. And, and certainly if he wound up on the, the New Zealand Breakers, uh, how that, that would go. Um, there'd, there'd be a, a fair few storylines, and, and I wonder if LeBron himself would make a trip down, down under in the off season to, to go and watch Bronny compete at at, uh, at Spark Arena. Um, but I, I, I mean, I, you've got to say, like, it, 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 it's not an awful, awful idea. Uh, as I say, like, there, there is, uh, you know, a lot of talent coming out of the AMBL, and this is a, a real path that players are now considering to to go to for a season, and then go. To the NBA draft, uh, you had uh, Rayan Rupert, who who was with the Breakers this year, and he's projected as a as a mid first round pick now in, in the upcoming NBA draft as well, and, and sought after by a number of teams. So, you know, I, I, I it, who knows really? But I I think you know there's a real chance that that 
it's, it's something that Bronny James is, is probably considering. And uh, wouldn't that be a great story for the NBL to, to have? And, and, and wouldn't that put it on the map in, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the recognition it gets from America? Did the third and five podcast, did they have a crack at picking a bracket for the NCAA this year? And if you did, how'd yeah. you go? We did. Uh, it didn't go too well. Uh, <laughs> at least said about my bracket, the better, I think. I think I had San Diego State to make it through to the final four, and they did. Um, so that was it. But, you know, I, I had, uh, I think I had Purdue winning it, uh, and I, I think they, they got knocked out in the first round, maybe. So uh, it was the least said about my bracket, the better. But, I mean, that's, you know, March Madness over here is, is so much fun, and, and you, you get everyone getting into the, the March Madness brackets, you know, in, in the workplaces, everyone's everyone's doing brackets, even if they don't follow basketball at all. It's all a bit of fun, really, because it is just such a lottery. And, and so, even if you know lots about basketball, you, you could quite easily put in a worse bracket than, than someone who knows nothing about basketball. So, uh, it's a bit of fun. Uh, and we've obviously got the the final four coming up this weekend, so so that should be a lot of fun to to watch unfold. Speaking of final four, give us a final four in the NBA, if you could, Simon. Oh, putting me on the spot. Um, so Eastern Conference Finals, I think it's going to be Bucks 76ers. I think the 76ers will edge out the Celtics in a, in a Eastern Conference semi-final. And then I think in the West, I think the Nuggets are, are looking really good. And Nikola Jokic is, is just a, a fantastic NBA player um, on track for a third straight MVP title. So I've got the Nuggets in, in the West and... And I think the Suns are going to really look impressive come playoff times. And so I, I think the Suns could be uh, a second team out of the West as well. If, uh, you know, I think, I think Kevin Durant's going to hit his form in the playoffs. Okay. Well, write, I've written those down just to see how accurate you are, Simon Hampton. Um, in the meantime, though, it's been terrific catching up. You're, it's such a, 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 such a, a really cool time for... Uh, basketball fans and uh, we continue to say it on this uh, station it is the fastest growing sport in New Zealand just by the by while you've been away um, those numbers are are basically confirmed on a daily basis so so much excitement uh, over here and uh, thanks very much for keeping us better informed have a terrific weekend thanks Smitty we'll talk to you soon yeah cheers Uh, Simon Hampton there yes his uh, podcast is third and five third and five podcast um, and uh, like the, the whole of the world, really, uh, they find it hard picking that bracket, that uh, NCAA bracket is uh, the big thing. In fact, Logan, I think, one of the great uh, philanthropists and uh, wealthy men of the world, just trying to, has, um, he, he's got a massive business in us. His name slips my mind anyway. Uh, he puts a million bucks up every year, a million bucks up every year, uh, to all his staff members, if they can pick the best bracket. Anyone that works for him on his payroll, um, he makes a million dollars available if they can pick the correct bracket. And I'm just trying to think who it is. His name will come to me very shortly, but um, <laughs> that'd be all right, wouldn't it? Well, it's cl- I, I wish you were going to say Hutchie because we've done a bracket here at the SNZ office and it's pretty much down to myself and Dylan Patel, who works uh, in the sales team. Dylan is currently ahead on with by three points. He has 63. I'm on 60. But Dylan can't get any further points. It sort of calculates how many possible points you can get. I could possibly get 73 um, because I still have Miami. <laughs> I think Miami is the last. I, I have them picked to go through the quarterfinals. 
I think this might be as far as they get. Oh, no, I had them going through to the championship. Uh, I, I picked Baylor to um, win. That definitely didn't happen. They got out in the second ra- third round, I think. But, yeah, it's I love it, uh, Smithy. This is actually the first time I've you know, gone to the effort of doing a bit of research, putting a bracket together. Um, sometimes you go on feel and vibes or t- schools you like. And, I mean, I only went with Miami because uh, Sam Wardenberg played there for um, – Four four seasons. He's he's gone now. He's graduated. But I thought, hey, let's go Miami. They're the fifth seed. They might do all right. So if they can go all the way, I'm not even sure if we put money on it or not. But um, yeah, maybe next maybe next year, Hutchie. If you put money on it, we'll all get into it. Eh? You don't have to be a million. Ten thousand be all right. Don't have to be a million. Hutchie. I'd be happy with a uh, hundred. <laughs> Hundred thousand, okay. Uh, Warren, Warren, Warren Buffett was the guy I was thinking of. Warren Buffett puts that up. Um, he's only worth one hundred eighteen billion at latest uh, reckoning. So, what's a million between friends? And of course, um, no one gets it anyway because you just can't do it. It's, it's a damn near impossible thing to do. Interesting. Uh, more NBA action, of course, uh, this afternoon as well. It's eleven twenty-two here on SENZ. Bring your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Rightio, what's on the menu this weekend? Uh, I've already had bacon and eggs, but in terms of what's on SENZ this weekend, in terms of our coverage, uh, Logan Swinkles, we've got three days uh, of fairly busy traffic. Yeah, we sure do, Smithy. Of course, last night we had the Roosters and the Eels, and that was an exciting matchup, wasn't it? Uh, of course, the uh, Roosters got out on top there. So Ali making that shift from the centre to fullback, and looking pretty good. Uh, if we have a bit of time, I'll play some uh, post-match from Brandon Smith because you know he's always got something funny to say. But uh, today, tonight, we have the Raiders v Panthers from 7 p.m. at GIO Stadium. Start of play there is at 8 p.m. Uh, interesting weekend as well, Smithy, because along with being on the frequencies, it's all across the app as well on different streams. So trying to give you a bit of a guide here. If you like your AFL, and I know there's been a couple of people texting in this week saying they do, big one between Collingwood, the Magpies versus the Richmond Tigers from 8pm at the MCG. That all starts off at 9.50pm, so quite a bit of build-up there. Then on Saturday, A-League, Phoenix, Good old Wellington Phoenix versus Melbourne Victory from 2.30pm. That's only on the Wellington frequency, but you can listen to it on the app. Uh, there's also EPL action overnight on ECN Fnatic with Arsenal v Leeds United, followed by Chelsea versus Aston Villa. Then on Sunday, we've got Centre Pass Netball being commentated by our very own Daniel McCarty with the Pulse v Magic from 2pm Sunday. And of course, the big one, NRL Warriors v Sharks from 5.30pm with Sammy Hewitt and Tony Kemp, and more EPL overnight on ECN Fnatic between West Ham United and Southampton, followed by Newcastle v Manchester United. That'll be an interesting one, Smithy. Yeah, well, actually, uh, Newcastle, a little bit desperate. Uh, West Ham United, also a little bit desperate. So we're getting to the stage of the season now where we look very seriously at demotion and promotion from the championship, as we do at the top of the table on those top four vital spots that get you into the Champions League and those uh, next two that get you into the Europa League type situation. Uh, looking forward to uh, EPO action this week because they had a hiatus last week. Um, it was a, a FIFA international friendly window, plus they've had the European qualifiers, so uh, we haven't had a lot of uh, EPL action um, <coughs> over the, the last uh, 10 days or so, so getting back to that this weekend. 
Right, um, it's, uh, in fact, I've got some news. Did you realise in the Hall of Fame, um, the EPL Hall of Fame, first two managers went in um, earlier this week. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger. Both uh, were uh, admitted to the uh, EPL Hall of Fame. Of course, um, Ferguson's uh, record is undeniable. Wenger's uh, stability and record with Arsenal also very impressive. Uh, but they are the first two managers to go into the EPL Hall of Fame, which incidentally was launched back in 2021 with uh, Thierry Henry and Alan Shearer being the first two to go in. They, they've since been followed by uh, Beckham and Burkamp, Cantona, Gerard Keane, uh, Roy Keane, of course, uh, Frank Lampard's in there, Vincent Company, Ian Wright, Peter Schmeichel's in there, Wayne Rooney, Patrick Vieira, Didier Drogba, Sergio Aguera, and Paul Scholes. They are the ones that are in there now, uh, all players, of course, and now uh, the first two managers to go in there, Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger. Interesting news coming out uh, of England for that. It is, yes, uh, uh, now uh, just after 11.30, So we shall have uh, a stump smithy after the news with Aroha. Up, you're ready, you're ready to go. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I am actually such a, a host of sport to look forward to. I love Fridays. Um, and then I love Mondays. I love talking about it on Mondays as well. But uh, Fridays, Monday's my favourite day on the radio. And uh, so I'm in the mood. I've got to, got to say I'm in the mood. What are the. Uh, the, the oh, we'll get the categories later. But who, who, who's lined up today? I mean, the, the board was full. It was just flashing. Who have we lined up? Yeah, we're very spoiled for choice, as we often are with uh, stump contestants. We're, we're going to the Waikato first. Cambridge, and it's Dave coming, mate. Morning, gentlemen. Morning, Dave. Right, uh, what are the subjects here, Logan? So for number one, it'll be right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Uh, We have rugby league, golf, and Formula One. Well, Aroha, Aroha beat me in Formula No, Aroha beat me in Formula One last time, so... Oh, well, uh, 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 what do you think? You think we've got... You think for one second we've got Aroha, Aroha waiting in the wings this time. Aren't you prepared to have a crack at Formula One? I'm a bit scared if she is sitting there. Well, I mean... Um, what do you think? Are you, you got, where, where are they? I mean, are, are, are you prepared to have a crack here for 50? No, I'm going to go rugby league. Oh, smart man! She was there too. Smart man. She was, hey, she was sitting there poised. I uh, can yeah, tell you. I she was, you can go home now. <laughs> Thanks for the early lunch break, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, rightio, Dave. Uh, let's get into it. All right. So you going with rugby league or golf? Rugby league, please. All right. First question for you, Dave. Tamari Martin is out injured this week for the one New Zealand Warriors who's been named to start in his place to play the Sharks this Sunday. I didn't even know he was out. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, Smitty, I know. <laughs> You're sitting there laughing. Um, I'll go... Uh, what's his name? Kennedy. Um... One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oof. Wow. I mean, I know Smithy knows the answer. Sorry. Well, we, yeah, talked, a, we talked about it 
I'm sorry, Dave, but we talked about this with uh, Stacey Jones earlier this morning. The new combo at six and seven for the Warriors because they are up against uh, Nico Hines, basically. It's uh, the youngster, Ronald Volkman. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, he's already grabbed up his bat. He's walking back to the pavilion there on a duck. If this was the old uh, the old commentary, I'm pretty sure the animated duck would be walking along right now. <laughs> Next to the crease. Good one. Uh, next to the crease, Brenton from Auckland. Come in, mate. G'day, boys. How are you? Good, Brenton. Uh, how's the leg knowledge? Not too bad, I reckon. All right. Uh, okay. Pad, this is the corner, so it should be all right. Oh, righty-o. Fire ahead. All right. Second question. Who has scored the most tries for the Warriors so far this season? Montoya. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yes, I also would have accepted Wade Egan. Both have scored three each. Ah, true. Oh, yeah, would have, yeah. All right, so we'll go on to the the last question. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs here. Brenton, good luck. The Warriors' record against the Sharks is 16 wins in 42 matches for their fifth worst win-loss record versus any NRL team. Panthers are fourth, Storm are third, Seagulls are second. But with just 10 wins for the Waz since 1998, can you name the team in first place? And I'll give you a hint, it's not the Roosters. So... Oh, is that... Uh, you said Stormer and what? Fifth place was only. Third. Third. Oh, I'm going to say... Oh. I'm going to... Maybe it is... It's going to be a trick one. It might be the Sharks. Or am I going to go down Melbourne way? I mean, no, sorry, not Melbourne. Uh, Brisbane, Brisbane Broncos. Take a guess. I'm going to go... I'm going to go... I'll go the Sharks. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, which team do the Warriors have the worst win-loss record against since 1998? Well, I was going to go the Broncos the whole time. I, I've got to say, I was going to go the Broncos. But he kind of threw me off the Broncos there. Um, Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs. One of the worst things I have no. ever seen done on a cricket field. This one, this is a good stumped question, Brian, because I think uh, quite a few people, especially the way they're playing now, wouldn't think it's them. I was looking for the Dragons. Oh, really? St. Illawarra? St. George Dragons? Dragons? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with Wild. I know. Very wild. I'm with you, Brenton. I'm with you. Yeah, that's uh, Yeah. The good news is, man, you're the winner. So you got that 50 bucks coming to you. So uh, congratulations for that. You sound like a very intelligent Brenton as opposed to the Brenton I play golf with on Sunday mornings who is far from that. So uh, there you go. Um, congratulations. Congratulations. What, what's, uh, what's on your agenda? Do the Blues, can the Blues go down and beat the Chiefs? Oh, I think so, mate. You know, knock them off their, off their perch. Down in home. Yeah, okay. they've just got a man up, up the middle. I think they'll go all right. Up the middle. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, one of the highlights for the weekend coming up as opposed to, uh, as of, well, uh, the Warriors 
against the Sharks yep. uh, here on SCNZ, and that's at uh, five past six on Sunday. So we look forward to that as well, mate. Uh, all the very best. Um, have a terrific um, uh, day and a terrific weekend, and uh, thanks for taking part. Cheers, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Smitty. Cheers. 11.40 here on SCNZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Yeah, just keeping a close eye on the golf. Uh, Ricky Fowler just putting now. He's uh, one under after four. Ryan Fox, uh, two over after uh, eight holes this morning. So a couple of uh, bogeys there. Uh, Ryan Fox, not the best start to the Valero Texas Open. But, uh, of course, we know what Ryan Fox is like. It can be devastating and turn things around very quickly. Um, we also know what uh, McGuerin is like uh, because uh, he comes to us this time every Friday with uh, some valuable information about uh, uh, trotting, pacing and of course um, galloping over the weekend and uh, good morning to you Mick uh, tonight. Uh, Palmerston North second day uh, this week for Palmerston North, uh, then Addington and again uh, Addington on Sunday in terms of the harness. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Big hi to all our listeners. Um, yeah, tonight the big goes Addington, but they have a group one race there and for those who don't follow the, the racing segments on SENZ, Group 1 tends to be like your test match cricket or your test match rugby. It's the stuff that everybody really wants to get right. And there's a horse here tonight who should absolutely just be winning. A horse called Muscle Mountain. He's big and he's really fast. And he was part of Harness Racing's holy trinity of the three very good horses, him, Bulk of Brilliance and Sunday Sun. Well, old Sunday Sun's retired he retired this year after a fantastic career. Bolt for Brilliance is in the paddock after suffering an injury. And it's one of those things where Muscle Mountain should just turn up and win most races. Now, yes, he'll probably win tonight. He's very short. I actually think his stable mate, Midnight Dash, can run top three or top four. So for people thinking to themselves, I'm not going to take a dollar twenty at Muscle Mountain. That's a waste of my time. You can take the power play. Now, that's in a TAB website. You go to the field, under the field, now, the power plays, I would take Muscle Mountain to win, Midnight Dash to run top four. That could be your best play there. So, Smitty, that's the hardest racing there. The big meeting for the Manawa 2 for the year is tonight, too. I like a horse called Rough and Ready there. But also, there's the developing story of the race by Grins. Two weeks tonight mm. we rock and roll. Two weeks tonight we go to Palmerstown, to, to Cambridge. It's going to be a lot of fun. Nine slots are gone, Smithy. They raced 10 horses for a million dollars. Nine slots are gone. One slot holder has to make a choice in the next week who they're going to race in their slot. Now, there's a horse racing at Addington tonight called Krug, and I think Krug deserves that slot, but he's going to need to win tonight. So he's not just racing for money tonight, Krug. He's auditioning for a place in the race by Grins, and that's going to give them extra motivation, maybe, He's our other bet for the night at 2.5 because if he wins, he's in the big dance in two weeks for a million. It's getting real close. It's getting really close. And, of course, you'll have a a Trots Talk show all going well uh, prior to Addington on Sunday, yeah? Yep, we'll have Trots Talk at 11 o'clock on Sunday. Greg O'Connor's actually doing that one for us. Um, Tomorrow, uh, Louis Herman Watt, our main radio racing host, has the mail run from 8 o'clock in the morning and he'll be talking about Awapuni with their Group 1. It's a big day. And also Sydney. Four New Zealand horses in the Derby in Sydney, including the favourite, Sharp and Smart. In fact, the first four home in the New Zealand Derby three weeks ago are in Sydney. 
for that race. So Louis tomorrow morning from 8 o'clock to give you track conditions, talk to some of the trainers involved if the Kiwi flag gets flowing awfully high in Sydney after Prowess's win last week. And then Greg O'Connor from 11 o'clock on Sunday to talk more about the race and review the harness racing weekend. So the I am having a weekend off from the radio. I'm in Sydney looking to buy some horses. I was doing inspections yesterday. One of my favourite things to do in the world is go look at baby horses. I'm not sure I really know what I'm looking at, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. Are you the David Ellis of the harness industry? Uh, no, actually, I'm looking at gallopers. So. Oh, you're <laughs> yeah, looking at gallopers. Oh, wow. You know, we're looking we do, we do both shows for the people say to me all the time, they say, how can you do gallop and harness? So I said, well, hey, Ian Smith can do cricket and rugby. If it's good enough for the great man, <laughs> I can have a dig at it. I can have a dig. <laughs> You're a funny man. Hey, uh, now that you've had, uh, I listened with interest uh, to um, your interview uh, the other day regarding Entane. Um, you've had another two or three days to think about it. Um, you happy with uh, what might well develop? Look, I'm happy with this movie, but it's like any deal. It's even like the Silver Lake deal for rugby. The, the devil's in the detail. You know, I think character-wise, the people I deal with from in pain, and I know everybody from all three Biddy's partners, I know a lot of people involved, they're good people and they're racing people, so they're not here just to take money and run. That's not a Viking job. But then there's a the detail of exactly how much money they're going to give us for certain things and for the sign-on bonus. And then there's also, most importantly, the minister making sure the right in two contract that New Zealand punters will be looked after. If you're a winning punter or a smart punter, you won't be restricted. But that's the minister's role. He has to demand that. And the minister, Kieran McInerney, used to be a bookie at the TAB. So he knows all about <laughs> this sort of stuff. I do think, Smitty, without any bullshit or any fear or favour to anybody, if we didn't do this now and get the cash injection plus the extra forecasted money over the next five years, which we would hope extrapolates out to 25 years, it almost might be too late. New Zealand racing has been really struggling. This injection of cash and forecast funding heading forward, plus the loss of operational expenses because of outsourcing most of them, and Ellerslie coming on board where hopefully they may have a war chest of around $300 million in a couple of years. This could be the very, very bright light at the end of the tunnel for New Zealand Racing. And Smithy, I'm not going to lie to you or the listeners. One of the reasons I'm in Sydney trying to buy horses this week is the demand for New Zealand horse flesh, if all these things come off as I think they will, will increase over the next 12 months because there's a good chance Ellerslie, with its Strathair track, could be racing close enough to every second Saturday this time next year. And the average mm. stake could be somewhere between eighty and $100,000, Smithy. And that makes racing viable for most of the people involved and that's crucial so that's where i see the future of racing going no hyperbole no cheerleading because i've done plenty of moaning on the other side that's what i genuinely believe we're facing in the next year yeah i'm really looking forward to developments along this line um it, it sounds to me it, it sounds exciting i haven't read any contracts or anything but the principle and the longevity and um, I think the security is uh, on the on the agenda there, and I think it, it, it all goes well if it all comes to fruition. Hey, mate, have a terrific weekend. Uh, say hello to, um, I don't know, um, I don't know, something in Sydney for me. I miss it. Mate, Coogee, great, go, great, to, go, to, go to Coogee Hotel hey, I'll, I'll and have a beer. 
I say a lot of James McDonald and Chris Wallop. There's going to be all sorts of Kiwis over here because they're all having a crack at not only winning regularly for those who live here, but of course the derby tomorrow with Andrew Forsman, Stephen Marsh, um, yeah. Graham Rogerson. So there's a bloody good bunch here. So, mate, it's going to be a lot of fun the next couple of days. Don't forget tomorrow morning, though, listeners, 8 o'clock in the morning, Louis Hooman Watt's going to de- dive deep into all that uh, on the mail one. Well, you know the best, the the, the second best thing about uh, Chris Waller, you know, don't you? It's not the, the, it's it's the fact that he was a wicket keeper. That's the fact that he was a wicket keeper, Michael. So you remind him of that. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, Billy, whenever I think of you playing cricket, I always think of you hitting sixes. I never think of you stuck behind the stumps doing the grind. I always think about you in uh, the back end. I'm not sure that means uh, you weren't a very good keeper, or I don't know a lot about cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a bit of both there, Mick. Have a great weekend. We'll leave it at that, shall we? We'll, leave, we'll just leave it at that. 11.53 here on SCNZ.